The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. So this week we saw a man get a suspended sentence because he was harassing um, TD Jennifer Carol McNeil, sending her uh, graphic videos and messages and pictures, completely um, unwanted graphic videos and uh, messages. And he was convicted um, during the week, but the sentence was suspended because it was his first conviction. Then we saw James Corden find himself trending internationally on Twitter and being the subject of a huge amount of abuse because of a third party suggestion that he had been rude in a a restaurant. And Graham Norton found himself deleting his Twitter account because of the abuse that he suffered for saying this. You, you, You read a lot of articles in papers by people complaining about cancer culture and you think... In what world are you cancelled? I'm reading your article (laughs) in a newspaper or you're doing interviews about how terrible it is to be cancelled or, you know, so I think the word is the wrong word. I think uh, the word should be accountability, you know, and if people want to shine a light on those issues, then, and I hope people do, then talk to trans people, talk to the parents of trans kids, talk to doctors, talk to psychiatrists, talk to someone who can illuminate this in some way. A lot of people listened to that and thought fairly innocuous, apparently not. Um, He was set upon so much so that he decided that was him for one particular social media outlet and he deleted his Twitter account. With us is Noel Rock, uh, former TD and Director of Public Affairs at Red Flag and Professor James O'Higgins-Norman, who is UNESCO Chair in Tackling Bullying in Schools and Cyberspace and Director of the DCU Anti-Bullying Centre. Noel, to begin with you, I... I think a lot of people find it difficult or may never have given any consideration to what it feels like to be on the receiving end of something like that. Because when you look at it from the outside, it seems like there's a couple of messages of slagging. When it is you who is receiving it, it seems totally overwhelming. You've spoken about your own experiences of receiving online abuse. Can you paint us a picture of what it's like and why it is difficult? Of course. I mean, the examples you give of people there in your introduction is interesting because they're all very famous people and we know who they all are. And I think in a way, a lot of people would build up the belief in their own minds that these people are somewhat, if you like, invincible from these things and somewhat not vulnerable to attacks or, you know, to uh, things being said both to them and about them on social media. But that simply isn't the case. You know, we're all human at the end of the day, Anton. And I've seen all sorts of remarks about former colleagues in particular. You know, politicians always come in for this sort of running commentary, uh, TV presenters, radio presenters, etc., etc. And it is the case that you do see these things on occasion, or even if you're trying to block them out by, you know, filtering your mentions on Twitter or filtering your mentions on Facebook, that the odd time a friend will still WhatsApp them to you or whatever. So you do see them, and it's not nice, and it's sort of a a lonely experience, I suppose, because sometimes untrue allegations might be made or untrue things might be said about you, and you wonder, is there a point in engaging with this? Is there a a Barbara Streisand effect of replying to it and engaging it and explaining that what's being said is wrong? Like even in the last few days, for example, uh, there's, there's, there's a mention of my name, I see, and the term brown envelopes is used. Obviously, completely untrue, incorrect, inaccurate, etc. Um, but you think, goodness, by, by addressing that or by interacting with that, am I simply making this problem worse? Am I giving validation or, or credibility to the problem? And, and I guess that's the root of it in a way. Um, it, it can be quite a lonely experience in that regard. 
And of course, the other thing now, it, 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 the the being subject to online abuse is something that can occur to anybody. For those in the public eye, though, there is an additional layer to it, which is in some case you develop people who simply follow you around to reiterate the lie or the defamation. So I would see it occasionally when you would interview a guest and they might mention the fact on Twitter and you then look at the responses and there are eight or ten people who just set about abusing them in response to almost every tweet that they make just to grind them down. That has to be difficult. It is. It absolutely is. And it's true. Like This is, a, this is something of a, of a phenomenon to a certain extent where there are certain accounts where uh, even though they don't follow me, for example, and I don't follow them, uh, whenever I say something, within half an hour, the account will have replied to it. So there is a certain element of, if you like, kind of uh, stalker accounts. Now, more often than not, Anton, these accounts, the most abusive accounts and the worst accounts on Twitter in particular tend to be anonymous. And I think, uh, I, I think there's probably something in that as well. You know, there is, a, there is a certain type of keyboard warrior that tends to like hiding behind anonymity. And in many cases, I suspect probably has multiple such accounts like this to enable and sort of facilitate this sort of bullying behaviour. Interesting uh, text saying Graham Norton is not a victim. He is privileged. Another political quotes online bullying is like this. Politician makes fake statements. Someone replies saying it's not true. Someone else replies you got caught out. Then politicians reply claiming online abuse while refusing to discuss their uh, original statement. Another, there's no obligation on anybody to have a social media account. If you don't like what people are saying, block them, mute them, whatever. There are too many public figures claiming abuse when in fact it is robust debate. People need to understand we don't live in some kumbaya world. If you're in the public eye, expect to get nasty comments and grow a thicker skin. Well, whatever about being in the public eye or not, that type of abuse isn't isn't unique to people who are in uh, the public eye. Professor James O'Higgins Norman, as I said, is is with us. James, to what extent do people, whoever they might be, if they are on social media, simply have to accept that this is the discourse and you need a thick skin? You know, I th- good, good morning, um, Anton and all. It's nice to be with you this morning. Um, I th- I think that um, the the experience of politicians and public figures needs to be treated differently to say private citizens who um, are not putting themselves out there to um, to you know to, for the for you know to serve the public or to be elected or to be on TV or whatever it might be. Um, but in both cases, I think that. Um, the, the internet and social media has expanded so quickly and so fast that our, 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 we haven't learned, we haven't been socialized on how to communicate in a kinder way on, on, on the internet. And so we're still, we, we need to do that. Before the internet ever arrived, we had very well-established manners in regular offline society. And that hasn't always made its way onto uh, the new the new uh, space in which we find ourselves. And we're still catching up with that. So there's a big piece of education needs to be done here. We know from our research that um, uh, about 13% of the, of the general public have negative experiences online in the last 12 months. Um, so I, I think it's important to remember that not everybody has these experiences, but for those who do, it's really um, significant and serious and can be, can be very stressful for them. Um, but we dig down into that data, then we find that, for example, 
22% of 13 to 14 year olds um, have experienced bullying online and offline. And it's a really important thing to remember is that we can talk about the online environment as if it's separate and as if it's a different behavior. But in fact, for most people today, um, we're living online and offline at the same time. And so those worlds are blended um, and we need to kind of, I suppose, be prepared and educated on how best to communicate in a kinder way with each other in that reality. Give me that, that percentage again, so 22%. So that's nearly a quarter of what age group, 13 to 17? 13 to 14 year olds and um, 22% of 13 to 14 year olds um, have been bullied online or offline um, according to the, the, the latest data that we have. Um, now that's that's quite high and it's but it's a figure that's kind of constant and we kind of don't really tend to look at bullying offline on its own anymore or online on its own because the the reality is that most of the bullying that's happening online is happening um, again it's being carried out by people we know and it's in relation to our offline lives as much as it is our online lives. It's, it's, it's a very complex kind of a phenomenon. The, one of the, the, the studies that they used to do around road rage uh, tended to suggest that the psychological reason that people did it was to, to some degree anonymity, that you weren't engaged directly with a person you were shouting at a car and therefore you got much worse behaviour in a queue in traffic in cars than you would in a queue in the shop where you actually had to directly yeah. engage. Is that the same with social media, that the anonymity that it provides to both people means we we intrinsically treat ourselves as non-human? Absolutely. And the anonymity that we get online um, um, elevates the the, um, the, 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 the the negative side of our personalities. And people feel they can say things and do things that they might not do if they knew the person face to face. A colleague was saying to me during the week that uh, he... he um, he, he he was wearing a mask, you know, for COVID, and so was somebody else. And he, he the per, the other person was going was parking badly on on the street, and he was about to take the head off them and give out to them until they slipped their mask down and he recognised the person. And then all of a sudden, he, his whole tone was, "Can I help you park that car?" Rather than, "What do you think you're doing there?" So that that, that anonymity that we get online. Uh, really elevates the the negative side of our personality, and and this online disinhibition kicks in where we feel we can say what we want and do what we want uh, online, and there won't be any consequences to it. Well, it, it interestingly, it doesn't seem to amend. Now, maybe I'm I'm overly jaundiced in this, but it doesn't seem to have improved much. I mean, Noel, you would have taught, I think it was back in 2018, about some of the online abuse that you would have received in the intervening four years. Have you seen much in the way of either behavioural improvement or legislative change or rules from the social media giants to protect people? Not massively in terms of behavioural change. And I'd kind of take myself out of the equation because obviously things have changed for me in the intervening four years insofar as I'm not in the public spotlight anymore. But if I look at how other politicians or well-known people are, are still being treated online, it doesn't seem like much has changed behaviourally. Legislatively, things are changing, uh, particularly from an EU level kind of uh, moving down towards the national level, we have uh, new laws calling Digital Services Act and Digital Markets Act, uh, both from the EU, uh, will be transcribed into national law in the time ahead. And they should be uh, allowing for more robust moderation standards on platforms like Twitter. But again, the sort of the, the, the usefulness depends on the user, like many laws, uh, and it really depends on these platforms like Twitter and Meta uh, actually taking these these laws uh, seriously and, and trying to go above and beyond them insofar as possible and being responsive to complaints. And that's one of the things that definitely comes across quite clearly 
even to a certain extent when defamation claims come up on Twitter, for example, uh, that platform itself seems quite, quite slow to remove things when that claim is made. And also one assumes to see the people who take it to extremes punished significantly because, again, a lot of, uh, I think the way the, the Irish Times is describing it, I think it is, and maybe it's the end of saying the headline, concern at suspended sentence for man harassing a female TD, the, the sentence being suspended for that man who engaged in what was described as a terrifying campaign of harassment against Jennifer Carroll McNeil. Guys, thank you both very much. Noel Rock, former TD, Director of Public Affairs at Red Flag and Professor James O'Higgins Norman, UNESCO Chair in Tackling Bullying in Schools and Cyberspace and Director of the DCU Anti-Bullying Centre The Anton Savage Show Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.